Hello, everybody. Welcome back into this week's episode of Around the Slice. I hope you all have had a great week since last time we spoke. By the way, last time we spoke earlier this week on Monday afternoon, I published the episode. I had on a fantastic guest in WKBW sports director, Matt Bovey. So if you haven't listened to that, go back in the archive. It's the most recent episode, labeled episode 41, I believe. Yeah, episode 41, so go listen to that. It's a preview, so it's kind of a moot point now because Bill's Colts ended already, but you can still listen to it. It's cool nuggets in there from someone who's actually on the field for every Bill's training camp practice, game, what have you, in Matt Bovey. So that's good. Uh, today, obviously, this is my recap of the game, but I'm not just going to spout out facts or spout out stats at you. I want to give my take on things. So first, obviously, I'll tell you the score of the game. It's a preseason game. The score really doesn't matter, but I might as well say it now. Happy Victory Sunday to you. Usually it's Victory Monday, but happy Victory Sunday to you again. It's just a preseason game, but it's good morale for these young players and young uh, first-year, second-year coach Ken Dorsey, some other young coaches like that to get um, some experience with a win, if you will. So what we're going to go over today is we're going to do a stock report. Just think of it as like a stock report. We're going to go over players that help their case stock up and then mixed category which is players that didn't help or hurt themselves maybe one way or leaving the other a little bit of both they didn't necessarily hurt or help themselves again they just kind of were what they were they were just kind of ordinary on the day and then stock down i some players that really didn't i was expecting a lot from and they didn't stand out or i wanted to see more of and they didn't stand out or they just made some really bad plays and didn't deliver on what i was expecting But before all the stock report, we're going to go over some key injuries, both before the game, uh, coming into the game, because there were a few players that we already knew weren't going to play or trending towards that direction. But then once the game started, it was confirmed. And then during the game, a couple players went out and didn't return. So we're going to go over that. And then after that, we're going to check on some key roster battles. I have four or or five key roster battles and underrated roster battles or starting jobs that we're going to check in on. And then we're going to go through awards i have some creative names for these awards i was thinking of last night i had some creative names for these awards i think you'll get a kick and laugh out of it once i tell you and then finally i just have some final overarching thoughts as questions if you will just a few of my final thoughts coming out of this game before we preview this upcoming midweek probably tuesday or wednesday i'm thinking for the steelers so obviously yesterday at one o'clock if you live in upstate new york buffalo rochester syracuse all those markets then you'll get it on the local cbs if you live outside of new york well i don't no i'm kidding um if you live outside of new york then you have to get it was on nfl plus not nfl networks nfl network had the Bears-Titans game, yeah. I believe Bears-Titans at 1 o'clock in NFL Network, part of their quadruple header, one four seven ten o'clock p.m. Eastern, that is. So, yeah, NFL Plus for that. But, obviously, I live 30 minutes from Rochester, so I was able to watch it on local YouTube TV, local CBS channel. Um, but the Bills won 23-19. That doesn't really matter. So, good to get a win still, like I said. But we're going to go through the stock report. So, first, stock up. Quarterback Matt Barkley. He, okay, so Kyle Allen, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, later on in this podcast episode, I should say, 
another category in the stack report. But don't want to spoil anything. But Matt Barkley, Kyle Allen played the start of the game. He played the whole first half in a drive in the in the third quarter. But Matt Barkley got the third and fourth quarters, and he was rolling. Matt Barkley was 14 of 15 for 172 yards and two touchdowns. He was on fire, basically. I know Matt Barkley hasn't been rostered since 2020. This is his, like, third stint with the Bills. He did start a game for the Bills in 2020 when Josh Allen was injured that one game for the Jets. And he played really well, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, Matt Barkley, who knows what they're going to do with backup quarterback? But we'll get to that later. Um, but I thought Matt Barkley was very impressive. Next, running back James Cook. Now listen, he only got two drives, just like the rest of the stars, just like Gabe Davis. By the way, Diggs and Josh Allen didn't play. They shouldn't play in the rest of the preseason. Like, who cares? They don't need reps. But just like Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, by the way, it shows you how they view Dalton Kincaid. He only played two or three drives, just like the rest of the starters. So he's not technically a starter, but he's kind of like a quasi-hybrid starter, but... Running back James Cook, he had four carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown. That's uh, four, eight, 12, six, and 12. five yards of bump. So that's five yards of carry, and he looked burst. And I didn't know James Cook could do this. He looked good between the tackles. He's okay in that department, but he's really once you get in those outside runs, halfback stretches, if you think of the Madden plays, HB stretch. So if you get him on the outside and the receiving game, but he showed some burst in the inside tackles. He was banging around there. I didn't know that's an element of his game he brought, but I think he looked explosive and he had some juice, and I think he's the clear RB1. Let's say James Cook gets 70% of the carries, uh, and then Damian Harris was out, but let's say Damian Harris gets, so we're at 70 with James Cook, right? I don't think he's a three-down back, but 70% for James Cook of touches. That's, excuse me, combining carries and Receptions. 70% for James Cook. And then let's say like 15% for Damian Harris. So that brings us up to 85. And then 15% for Latavius Murray. Because I think Latavius Murray is going to get a few more carries than people are expecting. I didn't have him as stock up or stock down. But he showed receiving ability that um, I don't think I was expecting. I thought he was just an okay receiving back, but he was really good. He had the nice sideline scamper when he received it from uh, Kyle Allen, and then he worked with Matt Barkley some, but mainly Kyle Allen. And Matt Bovey was talking about this last week. He echoed this. Uh, Derek, Latavius Murray is 6'3", 230. He's bigger than Dodson. He's bigger than all the linebackers right now, even Milano. Uh, in terms of height, I'm not sure about weight, but I think weight too. But he could be a linebacker who just happens to play running back in uh, Mempove was saying last week that even seeing him in person, he's a hulking dude. Even seeing him on TV, I mean, wow, he's big in a good way, like very good way. So, but James Cook showed, but the, that's kind of how I see the running back shaking out on percentage-wise, 70% for Cook, uh, 15% for Damian Harris, and then 50%, 15%, excuse me, as well for Ladavius Murray. Next, I think a few... Not few. I have four here. Depth receivers really popped for the Bills. Uh, wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, three catches, 42 yards. Wide receiver Andy Isabella, three catches, 42 yards. They also gave Isabella a couple, a few cracks at it back there in the return game. They don't really amount to anything, but I really liked his receiving versatility. Wide receiver Marcel Aitman, two catches for 41 yards. Wide receiver Desmond Patman. Three catches, 38 yards, one touchdown. I'm pretty sure all his catches came in that on the same drive there from Matt Barkley. 
and I really was impressed with his route running. I didn't know he had that route running. Listen, he was an ex. He was on the Colts, and he was really tight with Michael Pittman Jr., so they probably had their little reunion there. But, yeah, it was really fun to see these depth receivers for the Bills. We'll talk about Justin Shorter. Justin Shorter didn't even get a target, so I think your top five receivers are locked in. Like, I don't know how they aren't with Dig. Dig. Now, this might not be the order, but Diggs, Davis, uh, what am I saying? Diggs, Davis, Shakir, Deontay, Ardio, Trentreville. And then that sixth, I think, is a real battle between Justin Shorter, Desmond Patman, maybe not Aitman and Isabella, but Shorter, Patman, and Keyshawn Johnson for sure. I know Shorter has the advantage of a fifth-round pick, but we know with the Bills, you've got to earn it. They're not just going to hand you a job, as we've seen with Kyrie Elam. First-round pick, draft status doesn't matter. You've got to earn it, so... Third round pick with Terrell Bernard and undrafted in 2019 with Tyrell Dotson. Doesn't matter. you got to earn it. So, yeah, I think that could – Justin Shorter is being pushed here. And then guard Osiris Torrance. I don't see no stats because he's a guard. But I – honestly, I was surprised to see Osiris Torrance try out there with the first-team offensive line. Dawkins didn't play, but for the most part, the first-team offensive line for the two or three drives they were in there. And Osiris Torrance got extended time after that with the second team. But he really held his own. He's – kind of at shaky average at pass blocking, but he is an absolute road grader in run blocking. The Bills, like these athletic offensive linemen, um, Dawkins, Brown, they can all get out in space. They all have high RAS scores, relative athletic scores, Raz, if you will, and Spencer Brown's a perfect 10. I've talked about four on this podcast. Not an exaggeration, one of the most athletic guys on this whole in the whole NFL as an offensive tackle. He's like 6'8", 300-something pounds. And Ryan Bates is athletic, but he's barely 300 pounds, and I think they want someone with more muscle and size like a, like Torrance. And Torrance's pass blocking will grow in time, will improve in time. I can guarantee that. Oh, I can't guarantee because I'm not on the team. But I'm pretty sure because Aaron Cromer is one of the most respected and notable uh, offensive line position coaches in the last 10 years within the last decades. So, Yeah. Uh, Joe Marino and I were talking about that when he was on. I've had a lot of great guests. Go listen to those. But, yeah, a little publicity there. But uh, to those guys, it was really fun. But, yeah, Torrance, uh, I was really surprised because I thought they would give the veteran the nod first. But, no, Torrance is right out there, right guard. It's gone away from what we've seen recently with that rookie wall that McDermott's talking about. I mean, look what happened last year with Kyrie Elam. I know I keep bringing it up, but it was really frustrating. And it's still kind of frustrating, but... Dalton Kincaid looks to be in the mix. Another rookie popped in Doran Williams. Kincaid looks to be really in the mix, I should say. And then Torrance, they're giving him every opportunity. So he was the starting right guard. And Ryan Bates was the backup center. They probably want to see what Bates can do as a backup to Mitchell. He had a couple high snaps. He was whatever. I didn't have him in any category, though, because we know who he is at this point. And then offensive lineman Ryan Vandemark. Now, he really, really struggled at right tackle. But... I liked what I saw. He was on the second team at left tackle. Is he the left tackle, too? As soon as... No, Deion Dawkins did play. I don't know what I'm talking about. As soon as Deion Dawkins did come out after a two or three drives, second team offensive line, left tackle, it was Ryan Vandermark who came in right after him. Not Brandon Shell, not David Questenberry. Ryan Vandermark ahead of those guys. Again, right tackle type was really rough. Probably have to rewatch the game. I wish I could watch the all 22, but I don't... That angles and stuff, I don't different cool angles i don't subscribe to nfl plus so unfortunately i can't i'm sure i can listen to other people's analysis on it i'm sure joe marino have something but yeah um props to him but yeah ryan vandemark 
Tackle depth, I'll talk about this later, but I have some questions about tackle depth for sure and behind Dawkins and Brown. And Brown has really got to develop because the depth behind them is not good. And then linebacker Dorian Williams, I alluded to, to this a, a couple uh, minutes ago. He, I do have stats on this. He had seven tackles. McDermott, when they drafted him, Bean said after they drafted him in the third round out of Tulane, that is, two lane that is, excuse me, that they would start him at weak side linebacker as a Milano's backup, and then McDermott in OTAs in the spring workouts, voluntary OTAs, that they would move in the middle linebacker, he's working there, and then training camp, he's back to weak side at Milano's backup, but his blitzing ability is really, really pops, he takes great angles on those blitzes, he takes great angles on tackles, he's much more athletic than Terrell Bernard, so I'm thinking McDermott is going to find a way to get him and both Taylor Rapp in the field as these chess pieces on defense. Obviously, Taylor Rapp more prominent, but hopefully you get the point. So he really popped. Defensive tackle, Ilianku. This second team, so this second team um, defensive line behind Greg Rousseau and Oliver, AJ Epinesa didn't see much from him, but Leonard Floyd did he even play. I'm pretty sure he did. But this second team defensive line with Ilianku, who had four tackles. Boogie Basham, who had three tackles and a sack. Uh, Puna Ford, who had th- new addition, three tackles. And Cameron Klein, who had two tackles and half a sack. Tim Settle, who had a tackle. And then and then a third team guy in DJ Dale, before he went out due to injury, had half a sack. So that was very impressive. This second and third team defense line, they have a lot of depth. And they're going to have to make some tough decisions because I've talked about this before. Von Miller... Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, absolute locks. You could talk about Von Miller, Pop, or not, but for this purposes, we'll just say he's a lock. I think he will go and pop, but maybe not because he's hyping up week one. And then I think behind that, you have A.J. Epineza, um, Boogie Basham is that next tier, and then that final tier, you have like Shane Ray, who we'll talk about in another category later on in a couple minutes, if you will. Uh, not if you will, but you know what I mean. Uh, Shane Ray and then Shaq Lawson, who... I don't really see anything, but we know who Shaq. Shaq is Shaq at this point. And then defensive tackles, I Oliver, Puna Ford, and Daquan Jones are locks. And then you might have to decide between, because I don't know if you want to keep 10 or 11 defensive linemen. That's kind of heavy. Nine is usually the cutoff. Ten max if you really push it. But they might just decide between Settle and Jordan Phillips. And Settle might be a surprise cut candidate in my opinion, but he looked good. And then DJ Dale, I do talk about. Cornerback, Dane Jackson. He literally got five snaps. And then on the first drive of the game, Anthony Richardson oversailed. It was kind of an easy interception for Dane Jackson. He had one pick in the day and one tackle, I believe, but whatever. Mainly, I'm talking about the pick. Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback for the Colts. I believe he was looking for Alec Pierce. It doesn't matter who he was looking for. He really threw it high. He really overthrew it. He basically threw it right to Dane Jackson, but still, Dane Jackson broke in the ball. Didn't return him much. He went right down after that. But I'll talk about this update in the CB2 battle. That's nice to see someone emerging, even though if I don't agree with the guy that won it. Uh, running back Darrington Evans, he didn't do much of anything on the ground, but I want to highlight the one return for 42 yards. Now, I don't think they're going to keep Darrington Evans, unfortunately. But uh, they can stash him in the practice squad because uh, he played in the XFL a couple years. And then, well, he was drafted in 2020 out of Appalachian State. Yeah, Appalachian State by the Tennessee Titans. And never panned out in the third round, that is. And never panned out due to injury, what have you. And then he went to XFL for a couple years in the USFL, some of the spring leagues and and whatever. I didn't watch that. And then he was with the Bears last year. I didn't even I didn't know that, but he only got six carries the whole year. He was with the 
there's practice squad and the elevators sometimes, signs sometimes, whatever. I think they can get him back in their practice squad, the Bills. It's not like the league is clamoring for this guy, as you've seen. So, but he had one return for 42 yards. That's his path to roster, but as a return guy, backup return guy, same with Isabella. But even then, I don't think Isabella and then especially Evans will make it because you have Reggie Gilly, right, who's the chess, ultimate chess piece in offense. He played running back, fullback, and all his training camp reps from Matt Perino, Matt Beauvais, a couple guests that we've had on the show before. Go check that out. I know I keep promoting that, but still. Uh, beat reporters have really said, including Joe Marino when he was there for a couple, for the whole week, he said Reggie Gilliam, from when he's seen Reggie Gilliam, has got all his reps at tight end. He's catching the ball more. So you have him. And then you have James Cook and Damian Harris, obviously, and then Latavius Murray, who I just said, same, like, Kind of like the Trent Sherfield, I think those two will factor into the offense more than people are thinking. I think Latavius Murray could really push Damian Harris for carries and touches. Because Latavius Murray is definitely a better pass catcher. Uh, he's a goal line back, though. So Darren Tevins is not making this team, unfortunately. But I wanted to highlight the one return for 42 yards. Look bursty in that. And then this isn't really a specific player. It's kind of a not even position group. It's kind of just an overarching thought. The secondary here for the most part. Taron Johnson didn't play, but Tredavious White, Mike Hyde, and Jordan Poyer are all on the field together again. They haven't played together since Thanksgiving 2021. November 2021. So let's go through the timeline here. Tredavious White towards ACL on non-contact. You know, he was just kind of running on the field. Didn't tackle no non-contact injury. Tears ACL against the Saints in New Orleans that year. Next day, Tony ACL out for the season. I think... Some people were talking about being back week one last year. And I thought he would be back week six, and he wasn't back till week ten against the Lions. And then Von Miller gets injured on the same day. That's kind of ironic, but exactly a year later. But then Micah Hyde, by the time Trey came back, Micah Hyde was far removed from an injury, so he was out. And then Jordan Poyer was battling ribs and back injuries and foot injuries and ankle a whole body, basically, or whatever else. So, I, great to see this elite secondary back together again. And I hope Trey can get back to being Trey. And then we have the mixed category. These guys didn't necessarily hurt themselves, but they didn't necessarily help themselves either. They were just they put on just kind of ordinary play, ordinary tape. They were what they were. First, we got quarterback Kyle Allen. I was going to put him in stock down. He made a couple impressive throws. He avoid, evaded pressure a couple times, but he was 8 of 15 for 122 yards and one interception. On the interception, it was kind of his fault, and then kind of wide receiver Tyler Shavers' fault. Undrafted free agent of South, South Alabama, Southern Alabama, whatever it's called over there. I think it's South Alabama. Um, yeah, Shavers probably could have caught it. Bounced, kind of tipped off his hands, but Kyle Allen shouldn't have double-clutched and confused his receiver. He, like, Pump faked the ball twice, and he double-clutched it in his hand, and then he let it go. Of course, you're going to throw an interception on that. The receiver won't know what's going on. But speaking of the receiver, wide receiver Tyler Shavers, he did have two catches for 38 yards and a touchdown. He proved, though, it's how you finish, not how you start, because he had a few drops, including the one that caused the interception. In, he had a few drops in the beginning with Kyle Allen at quarterback. But it's how you finish, right? Two impressive catches, like I just said. But he had a touchdown, and then he would have had another huge game. But he caused, I can't forget, remember the Colts defender, because it was basically like a third-string defender. But he caused, like a cornerback or safety, whatever it was, he caused a DPI call, defensive pass interference on the defender. That's key for a guy like that who can draw flags like that. But he was up and down. And then Khalil Shakir, man, he only had two catches for 25 yards. I thought he would play longer. He only got, like, a quarter. I really thought he would play longer. 
Maybe that's how the team views him as a key piece this year, but he's been up and down training camp, man, from what I've heard. Some good days, he'll make the hardest catch, and then he'll drop the easiest ones. And that's what we saw yesterday. He made these really two tough catches. They were kind of really bad throws from Kyle Allen, especially the first one. He put it kind of high, but Khalid Shakir went up and climbed the ladder for that one. And then the second one, it was past him, but he outstretched his arms and got it. And then the third one, he was wide open for nine or ten yards for a first down, and he literally drops it. That's a gimme. So this, he's continuing his up and down play, unfortunately, from training camp. And we'll talk about the slot receiver battle with him, Hardy, and Sherfy once I get to my final overarching thoughts. Uh, uh, mix as well, cornerback Saran Neal. He had four tackles and one pass deflection. He also had a PI call, DPI call, defensive pass interference on him. He he came in the league as a safety. Bills converted him to corner. They like converting those guys. Poyer and Hyber corners converted to safety. High played flat corner in Green Bay on the Packers. And then Cam Lewis can play slot corner, outside corner, and safe, deep safety for you strong. So he's valuable. But we're talking about Saran Neal. That deep... Defensive pass interference call is kind of ticky-tacky. Same with Kyrie Elamon, but it was worse than the Elamon. You don't want to even put yourself in position to make the ref do that. Don't even make the ref think about it. I thought Saran Neal, Saran Neal, I found out, was the one, and watching it back, the one who had the pressure on the Dane Jackson interception right in Anthony Richardson's face. I think he's a really good blitzer. I know he has good size at 6'1", a bit over 210 pounds. I know he has good size. I think he's his athleticism is okay at his size. Not the best, but it's above average. Not well above average, but it's above average. I think he's a really good blitzer. Um, they've used it a couple of times to specifically defend Travis Kelsey. It's been kind of not so good in the regular season against the Chiefs. But he's not very good in pass coverage, so I wouldn't want to see Randy in pass coverage much. But kind of, he is what he is. Cornerback Jamarcus Ingram. Now, he had three tackles. This is a bottom of the depth chart. But going on to training camp, into training camp, excuse me, I'm going to reference that episode of Joe Marino again. Whole training camp preview. I guess you can go back and listen to it now, but it was about a few weeks ago now because training camp's well ended. But um, he was my guy to watch. He was my guy to really pop at training camp, and his guy was Kingsley Johnson. Neither of them really popped at training camp. I didn't hear a peep from them from the practice reports and podcasts I was listening to, live podcasts after the fact, beat reporters there. Jonathan somewhat. I'm talking about Jamarcus Ingram here. He only had three tackles. He had this one really nice special teams tackle. But that's about it. I wanted to see more from him because he's a guy that I really could push, thought could push Dane Jackson, maybe cause Dane Jackson to be a trade candidate. But Dane Jackson stood out. Jamarcus Ingram didn't. So that's the story on that. Corner, Kyir Elam. A lot of the corners were up and down. And even bad. One one of them I'll talk about in a minute uh, later on. Kyrie Elam, three tackles. I want him more from Kyrie Elam, man. That defensive pass interference call I was alluding to before in the first quarter was very bad. Tiki tack. I don't think it should have been called whatsoever. But again, don't e- like Saran Neal said, don't even make the ref think about that. He he's he was known for being a little too handsy in Florida, and you kind of saw that even on plays that flags that weren't thrown, he was a little too handsy. He struggles in zone coverage, kind of. Um I want him, but it shows first round pick. They're not handing out jobs, so it's kind of frustrating. But defense on Shane Wright, three tackles. I really like what I saw from him in the second quarter with the second team defensive line. I was talking about that second team defensive line with Settle, Ford, and then uh, and um, Cameron Klein, DJ Dale. Um, I was talking about it. Uh, I'm bashing too. Excuse me. I was talking about it with Shane Wright as well. 
because he had three nice tackles. But then McDermott probably not shoot him on the sideline, but said, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. He probably said something to that extent. What are you doing? Because there were too many men in the field. McDermott's always worried about not enough, but then you can only have 11 players in the field. It's football 101 here, and he was the 12th guy. He didn't get off the field fast enough. I don't think he even attempted to. He didn't even realize it. So up and down on a special team's punt coverage, kick coverage team. Stack down, wide receiver Justin Shorter. I talked about this as the depth receivers way earlier with the stack up report. Stack down Justin Shorter. Do you even get a target? He only played two or three drives in Lugnox and Kincaid. Those guys are much more high profile with Shorter. They didn't get a target either. But Shorter, I don't think it's too much to read into. They might view him as the sixth receiver right now. But like I said, Keyshawn Johnson, Desmond Patton are hot on his trail. So he might have the advantage of a fifth-round pick. But draft status means nothing, as we've seen in the Terrell Bernard versus Tyrell Dotson, Kyrie Elam versus Dane Jackson, Christian Benford. So Shorter, really disappointing. Tight end Jay Sternberger. He made one catch for 17 yards from Kyle and uh, Matt Barkley. It wasn't Barkley's fault whatsoever. I don't even know how Sternberger caught it. He's got good size, but he, then he fumbled it right away. And he lost the fumble. So he gave it right back to the Colts offense. And uh, Gardner Minshew, we think it was. So, yeah, Gardner Minshew, which he balled out too. Not balled out. But they moved the ball well. But they couldn't really score as evidenced by the 23-19 Bills over Colts. Uh, but what I was getting to was Sternberger. I think Quentin Morris is firmly in that third tight end. And you're going to keep three tight ends. Gilliam's a fullback, I think. Slash tight end. Slash running back. Just be, ultimate just piece on offense. Kind of a bowling ball guy. In terms of his stature, that is. But I think Morris makes it over Sternberger. And as we get closer to the season, I'll probably, I most certainly will have that in my final 53-man roster projection on this podcast. But, yeah, I think Morris, four-phase special teamer. And if you're going to go two tight end sets, if one of those guys, God forbid, gets injured between Kincaid and Knox, you have Morris. So, And he has a ton of experience being the tight end two last year behind Austin Knox and above Tommy Sweeney, who's now gone. Quarterback Christian Benford, stock way down maybe not way down but he only had three tackles he had a couple of defensive pass interference calls it was not good i re- and then alex austin another corner three tackles i think your six corners are for sure i think there's five locks in what am i missing here tredavious white trey white dane jackson taryn johnson that's your starters plus Taryn in the slot and then Kyrie Lim, Christian Benford, and then Serena is close to a lock, four-face special teamer, Gunner, same with Cam Lewis. And then Cornick, Alex Austin, he could, as soon as Cam Dancer was released, but he's fighting the Jamarcus Ingram for that practice squad spot. And right now, I'll give it to Ingram. I wasn't too impressed with both of them, but I put Ingram in mix. I saw a couple more things I'd like more than Alex Austin. I He had another defensive pass interference call, too. A lot of these corners just didn't impress me other than Dane Jackson. And then linebacker Tyrell Dotson, only two tackles. This was your chance, dude. It's your chance, man. Come on, T-Dot, as they call, affectionately called McDermott and the team call him. T-Dot here, Tyrell, linebacker Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard was out. So Terrell Dotson only had two tackles and Baylor Spector only had one tackle. I was really looking for them to take over. And I don't think any clear guys emerged in that middle linebacker competition yet. And I think they want him to because you got to get it done sooner rather than later. McDermott knows that. He knows there's value in that. He's admitted it before. You need, they wear the green dot. Ideally, you don't want to give it to a safety, even the point you're hiding veterans. The middle linebacker and see everything literally says it in the name, middle of the field. So they got to get that green dot, call the defensive plays, relay the defensive plays from McDermott, who's now the defensive play caller slash defensive coordinator. So you guys 
you got to get, get the, your team's got to get that, and the Bills got to get that guy used to, but no one's style. And then these aren't um, any players or positions even, but penalties and drops way stacked down. Penalties last year, we had like three defensive pass interference calls, two offsides calls, and then a couple special teams. Um, a couple special teams. Uh, what, what's the word I'm trying to find? A couple special teams issues, if you will, um, with Shane Ray and a couple of those other guys and Saran Neal. But multiple penalties and then drops. Tyrell Shaver has a couple drops. Khalil Shakir had that gimme drop like I talked about. Um, th- that's what comes to mind. But Quentin Morris even had a drop. It wasn't an easy pass, but it was still a drop. So we had four or five drops this game, and we were second in the league in drops last year. Not good. I can't remember who was number one, but we're second league at drops. That's not something you want to be towards the top. That's not, you're like, that's not like, oh, we're second in the league in scoring. We're set offense. We're second league in rushing. We're second league. No, this is penalties. You don't want to be drops. I mean, you don't want to be second league in drops. So, uh, next, we're going to talk about some injuries. I was said I would get to that first, but I wanted to get the stock report first. It kind of changed my mind. That's how it was laid out here in the sheet. So after some injuries, we are going to go um, with injuries. Can't find it here. Oh, in get. So before the game, we knew these guys weren't going to play and then confirmed when it started. Fullback Reggie Gilliam, like I said, he could play fullback running a tight end. Not a huge deal. He's probably not going to play any, if at all, in this game anyway. Linebacker Terrell Bernard. Hopefully he can get back into that battle. But I'm not too encouraged by this battle right now. And then safety, Cam Lewis, who can be slot corner, outside corner. Safety, strong or free. And four-phase special teamer and gunner with Saran Neal. So, yeah, and then in-game injuries, offensive lineman Tommy Doyle suffered a knee injury, did not return, and McDermott revealed after, and the broadcast said it too. It was the same Neal. Neal. (laughs) Saran Neal. It was the same team that... Oh my God! It was the same knee that he tore. There it is. Same knee that he tore his ACL on last year. So not good. You're always concerned about that. And then defensive tackle DJ Dell suffered a rib slash back injury. Did not return. They said he would be questionable with rib slash back contusions, but he ultimately didn't return. Very very long shot to make the team, but could for sure make the practice squad. He was from Alabama. Surprisingly, he didn't. He went undrafted. So those were that Doyle and Dale, and then those guys that didn't play at all. Now I wanna get to my awards now i have creative names for these awards at first i was just gonna do player of the game award but i got a creative name since this is called around the slice get ready for this one you should get a kick on this big slice of the game award yep that's basically player of the game but that's basic that's boring big slice of the game award. this guy really stood out and i'm calling it big slice because he really showed up you really like you really like a big slice of pizza right or big slice of anything, right? So I really like this player showed. So big slice of the play- the game award sh- goes to Matt Barkley. Like I said, only missed one pass, ninety two percent completion percentage, two touchdowns, really great. And I think he was clearly better than Kyle Allen. And then next, negative side. Now I didn't want to call this most disappointing player either. It is basically the most disappointing player of the game, but that's too boring again. I called this the burnt slice, <laughs> the burnt slice of the game award really creative because around the slice again and burnt slice you're expecting a slice of pizza from a really good pizza place you always go to and i always watch the buffalo bills so in this whole upstate you know community always watch the buffalo bills you're expecting one thing and then it comes get kind of burnt so you're i was expecting a lot from this player and they came back kind of burnt kind of really disappointing and that's linebacker tyrell dotson this was your opportunity 
to show out, and no one has showed out from that middle linebacker competition. So those are the creative names. I think I'm going to keep it for the regular season as well. And then checking on key roster battles, I alluded to this before, but CB2, clearly it seems to be Dane Jackson's job right now. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately because he had a really rough stretch of games last year where he was missing tackles and blowing covers left to right and being picked on. It was like, I don't know if it was in the store, but it was like Browns, Vikings, Lions, and Thanksgiving in the middle of the year where he was just getting picked on left and right. Uh, so there's the CB2 update. Seems to be Dane Jackson's job right now. Middle linebacker, seems to be Terrell Dotson's job right now, but Terrell Bernard could get back into the battle if he returns from hamstring injury in time for final two preseason games against the Steelers next week the 19th and the final one at Bears both are on the road at Bears on the 26th and then they go 16 days between that and so a little over two weeks between that and the on 9-11 that's special by the way on September 11th against the Jets very excited for that but but that's besides the point. No one has really emerged in this middle linebacker competition, like I said. And I don't know whose it is right now. I mean, it could be Baylen Specht for all we know, but he was pretty disappointing as well. And as you saw from my current slice of the game award, uh, that I gave it to Tyrell Dawson, unfortunately. So right guard, um, right guard competition. Osiris Torrance is definitely in the mix here, which I was kind of surprised with how they've treated rookies recently in the last couple of years. But it's still a battle between him and Bates. But I thought they would give the veteran the initial latte, and they gave it to Torrance. So I think I got to – my hot take before was I was I think he'll start, and I do think he'll start. I think it's still a big open battle, though. Slot receiver. No clear guy has really emerged. Shakir, Hardy, and Sherfield all still battling. Hardy and Sherfield didn't really get much run yesterday, and Shakir, like I said, I put him in the mixed category. Rewind if you want to hear that. I put it in the mixed category. So, yeah, no clear guy. And then kick slash punt returner seems to be Deontay Hardy's job right now. Andy Isabella got some run there. Darrington Evans. But those guys are practice squad guys at best probably. But you never know. But they are most likely. And then Cleo Shakir, he muffed a couple punts and kicks in training camp. Uh, and he got a couple in yesterday. But Deontay Hardy was really only got one or two kick returns slash punt, I believe. So, But it's his job right now. He was an all-pro returner at the Saints in 2019 as a rookie. Final thoughts slash questions is, uh, I have a question here. Is there a backup quarterback battle now between Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley? And according to Sean McDermott, yes, there is. He was asked straight up by a beat reporter in the press conference, uh, excuse me, in the press conference, is there a backup quarterback battle now? And he said, yes, straight up, yes. He was candid about it, which we don't see from McDermott really, McDermott, McDermott, really at all. So that was, I like his honesty, but maybe you bring in someone, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe you bring in a Joe Flacco trade, a very sixth or seventh round pick for Davis Mills from the Texans. Teddy Bridgewater's off the table. Maybe, maybe you bring in Nick Foles. I'm not interested in Carson Wentz. That ship has sailed for any team. But, uh, yeah, there's a backup QB battle now, and I wasn't expecting this in March because Kyle Allen has a lot of experience, and he started a few games for the Texans last year, too, and replacing Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll even started. That was a disaster last year. But now they have C.J. Stroud, but whatever. For the Bills, I wasn't surprised by this at all because Barkley has been on the Bills practice squad here and there ever since 2020, and he knows the system. That's probably why he was better. But still, I'm surprised there's a backup quarterback battle. And I'm not encouraged by either, by the way. I know Barkley showed out today, but he's not doing that on an NFL caliber of defense. That was against third, second and third stringers. Do Bills have an NFL starting caliber middle linebacker on the roster? I'm seriously wondering this, because Dotson 
Burnt Slice of the Game Award. Very disappointing. Balen Spector. I was also considering him for that award. And then Terrell Bernard is injured. <laughs> like, I don't think he'll be out for week one, but he could very well miss the whole preseason. They might want to be safe with him, so who knows? I think they should have brought in Bobby Wagner. I know hindsight twenty twenty and whatever the saying is, but they should have. Uh, the tech of death behind Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown is a real issue, says Catcher. I know we saw a lot from Richard Garage and Ryan Vandemark at left tackle, and then Sheldon Questionberry have been disappointing all, all training camp. But Vandemark and and uh, Garage aren't doing that for an extended period of time. Who even knows if they make the team? So I'm really hoping someone hopefully gets caught in cut down day because there's only one cut down day this year. By 4 p.m. Eastern on the 29th, all teams have to be from 90 to 53. They can cut players before that, but I don't know why they would want to. It's not like years past where on after like the first piece of the game, you had to get down from 90 to 80, and then second piece of the game, 80 to 70. Then after the third piece of the game, by the third is that cut final cut down day, 70 to 53. No, it's just 90 53 over uh, hundreds, and maybe even a thousand guys will get cut on that day. So it's really concerning, and then Spencer Brown, we're already concerned about his development. And last thing, it feels so good to watch Buffalo Bills football again. It feels really good. So anyways, guys, I just want to promote a few things. I have a Patreon now, and I do that all the time in the middle, releasing position rankings, every major position in football. I'm releasing my tight end rankings, hopefully in a few days. Um... And yesterday, right after the game, about a half hour or so, while I was writing up some things, I put out a thing like, hey, it's really good to get a win, blah, 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 all that. But I'll clue you guys into who I think was the player of the game, the um, uh, Big Slice of the Game Award. I love the name. Big Slice of the Game Award and Matt Barkley. So I clued my page, low patrons into that. So, yeah, it's basically extra exclusive content. So for only th- that's not in this podcast. For only three dot, and in the future, I'm always improving on it, taking suggestions, and if you have any questions, shoot them my way on there. But for only three dollars a month, you get all that. It is Patreon.com/slash Around the Slice, no caps, spaces. Again, that's Patreon. Patreon, excuse me. dot com/slash Around the Slice. I'll put it in the description. Whatever podcasting medium you're on. You can follow me on Twitter at awangarner13 or follow the podcast on Twitter for updates and show links around Slice. You can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. And please, whatever podcast and medium and platform that is, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with whoever and, and everyone you may know. Really good to watch Buffalo Bills football game. We'll be back in a few days for the Bills Steelers preview. Maybe... I'll tease something, maybe with a special guest, maybe not. I don't know. I have to work out some things. But anyways, guys, go on my Patreon if you want instant reactions. I'll put it in the description again. That is this week's episode of Around the Slice. I will see you next, or in a few days. Bye. Okay, I'm back. I totally skipped over this guy in my stock up report, and I can't believe I did. It's Damar Hamlin. Forget about football for a second. The kids, the guy's basically a walking miracle. Yeah, he had three tackles on the day, but let's not sugarcoat it. He basically died on that field. And Bill's, um, uh, Bill's medical staff, shout out to Denny Kellington, the head medical guy, basically brought him back to life. It took 10 minutes. He was in the hospital for a few days with a breathing tube. He was back, though, and he said after McDermott, his first three plays were blitzes, so they're not scared at all. He said he's not playing with hesitancy because if you play with hesitancy, then then 
Um, if you play with hesitancy, then you'll get hurt again. So he had no hesitation in his game whatsoever. He made a key stop on fourth and one to give the Bills offense the ball back to Kyle Allen and the crew there. And the second team offense there, excuse me. But yeah, key stop there just to see him walking around. And for him to make a key stop like that, that's so motivating. Such an inspiring story. Again, what a story and a walking miracle, basically. Okay, have a great day. I just That's really great by DeMar Hamlin there. Bye.